What's up, everyone? This is episode number nine of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. I've had a number of people contact me on my Instagram this week. Um, For those of you that don't know, my Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. It's been a lot of fun connecting with you guys. Um, The truth of the matter is there's a lot of strong hobby content out there right now, some good and some bad but I'm glad that you've chosen to include me in your conversations. I want to start today with some quick commentary on the playoffs. It's hard to say much here on the podcast because by the time people listen to the episode, series will have shifted or series will sometimes will have ended. But as of Thursday afternoon, there are a few things that we know. Number one, the Bucks are not a fluke. Um, Giannis is incredible. They're headed to the Eastern Conference Finals. His cards are going absolutely insane right now. Hey, I'm sure Gary Vee is happy. Um, Kevin Durant is hurt. He's likely out the rest of the Rockets series and possibly longer if they make it that far. I think this is where we see Steph and Clay do their thing. I know the Warriors bench is horrible. I know some of the guys from the 73-win team like Igudala and Livingston, they've slowed down considerably, but I think this is also something the Warriors needed. We see this every year. They become complacent with winning, and I think Steph takes a backseat to Durant. There's nothing wrong with that. Clay isn't always very active in seeking out his shot. This could be the wake-up call that they needed. Um, and quite frankly, I don't see them dropping two games in a row to the Rockets. Uh, We also have three teams that are facing elimination in the Rockets, the Blazers, and the 76ers. I know this sounds cliche, but this is where you see what guys are made of. And by the way, I still haven't bought that Lillard patch. One team you definitely don't see late in this game, though, are my Pacers. Some of you know I'm a huge Indiana Pacers fan. I think I've mentioned it multiple times on here before. In fact, I've had a couple of listeners and a couple of friends say, hey, you should make a Pacers episode. Well, I don't know if that's really ideal for everyone. I've also had some people ask me to talk about why I collect, and I think that'd be a great way to combine the best of both worlds. So as I set out to really dive into that topic this week, I tried to write out my history in the hobby. Before I knew it, I had knocked out 4,000 words. So I realized very quickly that my history in the hobby is is pretty much synonymous to my history of watching basketball. Um, I spent the first 15 years of my life in Indiana. It's a state that traditionally has a basketball reputation. Basketball was a big deal in the two small towns that I lived in there. And it wasn't uncommon to see basketball goals in the majority of driveways or on a street or hoops attached to garages or barns. And while I probably watched some games before this date, I I think I can trace my basketball origins back to 1995. Um, In May of 1995, Reggie Miller scored eight points in nine seconds. In fact, we just had that anniversary this past week. Um, It was to beat the Knicks in game one of the 95 Eastern Conference semifinals. Three weeks later, Rick Smith hits a game winner against Orlando in the Eastern Conference Finals. As much as I'd like to say I was tuning in and I was glued to the television and I was just enthralled by these things, I don't remember watching either one of them. What I do remember, however, is the hoopla that surrounded it. Everyone in the state was excited. Everyone was talking. You know, it was a conversation that even your average person in Indiana would have. So it really got my attention even as a seven-year-old. There were a lot of exciting things happening around me and I realized that I was missing out. 
So it was the following season that I really fell in love with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I was in second grade and Reggie was, I've already mentioned him, but he was a pretty popular guy at school. He obviously is going to play a big role in my collecting history. I know some of the other kids in my class were collecting cards. One of my good friends gave me a, a Scottie Pippen double trouble card. I can still picture it. It had rounded corners. Okay, that's not how they came out of the pack, but it had rounded corners. Is from 94-95 Ultra, and you would have thought that this thing had an aura about it. Um, I, I talked about this thing so much, and I showed it off, and my mom asked me, you know, are you sure his mom is okay with him giving his cards away? Now, I, I don't know for sure if this was my first card, but I would certainly say it marked the beginning of my collecting. And the first pack of cards that I remember opening was 1995-96 Tops which was a special moment for me because I pulled a Dale Davis base card. I think I remember there was a Jordan in there too, but that really didn't matter much to me. Um, and while base cards don't matter much to me now, back then it, it was all about reading those things front and back and studying the stats. This was also the time frame that I went to my first Pacers game with my dad at Market Square Arena in November of 1995. Now, coincidentally enough, who was on the cover of the program that night? It was Dale Davis. A lot of these experiences really shaped my passion for cards and my passion for collecting pacers. Um, and you can see that there were already people involved. If these people hadn't been there, you know, who knows if I really would have gravitated towards collecting. Um, it's interesting, the more that I look back, the more that I realize that sports cards and sports in general have given me a reference point for all the different things I've experienced. So here's a random one for you that's kind of from around this time frame. Fast forward a little bit, I was nine years old. It was a cold, it was a really snowy night in Indiana. One of the teenagers in our neighborhood threw a water balloon through our front picture window, and this was a, a giant window. I was in bed at the time, I thought maybe mom had dropped something in the kitchen, but then there was some more commotion around the house, so I could tell you know, something wasn't quite right. Uh, eventually I got out of bed and I found out what really had happened. Despite those memories, you, what was the most exciting part of that night for me? It meant that I could stay up and watch the Pacers play a late night game against Denver because they were on the West Coast at the time. And I remember Mark Jackson was on the Nuggets. So I can place this. This was in January of 1997. And while Mark Jackson wasn't on the Pacers anymore, I was pretty excited when I got his updated collector's choice card that year where he was in a Nuggets uniform. I remember he was leaning against a wall. The 97-98 season rolled around and, and people were buzzing in Indiana and my love for the game continued to grow. My love for collecting continued to grow. I mean, they were one in the same. Um, Indiana's own Larry Bird had signed on to coach the team. I'd never got to watch Larry Bird before, even though I was alive when he retired, but I knew there was something special about him. You know, I had seen clips, I had seen interviews, I saw the way that people reacted to his selection, so I knew it was a big deal. So that got me paying attention. Um, the Pacers added Chris Mullen, they added Sam Perkins, and I couldn't wait to get their new cards. That was a special thing for me, is when are we going to see cards of them in the new uniform? Uh, some things never change. You saw that with people this year with Prism. They were disappointed LeBron was not in a Lakers uniform, because we want to see our hobby move with the times. Eventually they had a card in Top Stadium Club called Transitions. It showed a logo of the old team and it showed a logo of the new team and it had the player in it. And both Chris Mullen and Sam Perkins were in that set. 
Those are some of my favorite cards to this day. In the same time frame, I also went through a major transition in my life, and I'm not going to talk a lot about all my life events. I really don't think those are as relevant to this podcast, but I'm going to mention this because I think cards in sports played a role. So at the time I switched schools, uh, making friends wasn't easy. I was a pretty shy guy, but it was sports, and whether it was playing them or talking about them, it helped make things a little more manageable for me. And I also found a new group of friends to collect with. So that, in a sense, was kind of a gateway that helped me to forge my way in whatever challenges or whatever changes came in my life. Over the course of that season, my uncle took me to two games at Market Square Arena. Um, Neither my dad or my uncle collected, but they played a huge role in me collecting and my love of the Pacers. Um, Those Going to those games was, was just so exciting to me. I mean, I still get excited about games today, but I think a part of it is just it's so nostalgic to those times. So the the first of these two games that I went to with my uncle was against the Hornets, and he did something that my dad hadn't done with me. He took me down to get autographs from some of the players, which, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing. So we went to the Hornets side the first time, and we got Glenn Rice, David Wesley, and Bobby Phils on a program. The second time that my uncle took me, things were a little different. We went to the Pacers side. That was exciting. Um, Travis Best came over. He signed my program. And another figure approached, and he towered over me. He towered over everyone that was there. It was Rick Smits, all seven foot four of them. If I haven't showed you my Rick Smits flawless patches on uh, some of you that know me, I've seen them. But if you haven't seen those yet, or if you haven't seen them on my other Instagram account, well, you can see those are pretty important to me. And while the Pacers were very successful in this time frame, they could never get to the finals because of some guy named Michael Jordan and his Chicago Bulls. When Michael finally retired, the Pacers finally made it to the finals. And it's funny, I feel like it was that team was a worse team than the 98 Pacers. The 98 Pacers took Jordan to seven games. But this Pacers team now in the 2000 finals, they ran into Prime Shaq and his sidekick named Kobe Bryant. So that didn't go well for him either. But you know what? Those were good times for me. They were simpler times, to be honest with you. And while I still followed the team after this point, my collecting stopped for the time being. The Mark Jackson went to the Raptors and Rick Smith's retired. And because I had stopped collecting, this means I missed out on the Pacers NBA Finals jersey and patch cards, which I didn't even know they existed until a few years after that. Up to this point, I'd never even seen a jersey card in person. But uh, when I stopped collecting at this time, I didn't really get rid of anything, but I wasn't adding anything new either. And I was in middle school, and whenever you hear someone's collecting story, this seems to be the common point where everything falls apart. Um, I suppose Pokemon was more popular as well. I didn't get too much into it, but believe it or not, the only pack of Pokemon cards I opened in my life was the first pack of any type of cards that I opened in an actual card shop. It's weird, right? Um, In 2002, I still wasn't back to collecting. The Pacers traded Jalen Rose, who was very popular, and Travis Best for a package of players that included Ron Artest, Ron Mercer, and Brad Miller. Um, I'd had a few cheap Ron Artest rookie cards, but I didn't know much about this guy. I definitely had no idea he was about to become my favorite player, besides Reggie, of course. I continued to watch as the team made a deep run at the end of 2003 and and formed a new rivalry with the Detroit Pistons. And then before the start of the 03-04 season, my family made a big move from Indiana to Florida. 
And this was kind of a turning point in my life. Um, I was getting ready to go into my sophomore year of high school. It was a pretty big move for me, a pretty big adjustment, and, and it was pretty rough. Now, interestingly enough, it also set up the perfect storm for me to jump back into the collecting world. So if you think about it at the time, the Pacers were good again. I loved the way this Ron Artest guy played. Um, Reggie was still there, so there was still a part of you know the Pacers I had been watching. Watching the team reminded me of Indiana because, truth be told, I was a little homesick. And then there was a lot of hype around this guy coming into the league named LeBron James. I started buying quite a few products once I jumped back in in 2003. My favorite thing to buy, though, were these Walmart, um, well, really Kmart and Target variety boxes. If I was really lucky, mom would get me the $20 version, which had tons of, it seemed like tons of packs in them. And the worst part is they were glued onto this cardboard. I don't know what kind of glue they used. I had to cut those things off with a knife. I was always scared that I was going to damage these cards every time I ripped into one because I couldn't wait to open it. But it was one of these boxes that yielded my first jersey card, which was a Walter McCarthy Celtics jersey. Um, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I just stared at it again and again, think, wow, is this really a piece of a jersey from an NBA game? And, you know, I was already excited about collecting again, but the fact that now that there's pieces of a jersey in, in cards, that had really sucked me back in. Now, in the world of cards, if speaking historically here, 2003-04 has become somewhat of a landmark year. Um, obviously, that you know is where all your LeBron James rookies are. And I really wear that as a badge of honor because I'm proud of the fact that I chased LeBron and I chased Dwayne Wade and I chased Carmelo when those cards came out. Now, granted, I was buying a bunch of low-end stuff like Bazooka and Topps Rookie Matrix and UD Rookie Exclusives, but I can say I was a part of it. Now, some of you that are new to the game, you might feel the same way about Luka and, and Zion in the future. And honestly, I hope you get that same feeling. In five years, if Zion is something special, you can say, I was there for the Zion prism craze, or I was there when Zion signed with Upper Deck. And you can remember it, and you can wear that as a badge of honor. In this same time frame, I, I joined a couple of card forums online. That was also something new to me. And I noticed that people were building player collections. Well, you know, I wanted to jump in on the fun. I felt like Reggie was kind of out of my range, which was already really low to begin with. So I decided I'm going to do the same thing with Ron Artest. And he didn't have a lot of nice relics or autos, but I, I built up what I thought was an impressive collection of base and inserts. Maybe I'll screen cap my personal collection page. It's laughable now. If you remember the um, GeoCities or GeoSites or whatever, and free webs, and some of you guys will never know that. We have Flickr, we have Instagram now, but we actually had to build web pages to show off our cards. We didn't do it on Facebook. We had to build web pages that had our trade list, but it was a different era for collecting. Now today when I open up a box on and I post the results online and someone asks me if I got a base card of a player, I know my first reaction is that I kind of roll my eyes, but I really shouldn't. Um, I was that guy and, and to the extreme in 2003 and 2004. So my guy, Ron Artest, he won the Defensive Player of the Year that year, which was really exciting. The Pacers won 61 games. So things were going really well, only to fall to the Pistons again after an intense Eastern Conference Finals. Um, man, I hated the Pistons. I hated Ben Wallace. And watching them win a title that year made things even worse. Um, it should have been us. 
as Ron, you know, like I said, he got defensive player of the year. The Pacers were good. As he experienced more success in the basketball world, companies started making nicer cards of him. So it was nice to track that growth in the process. Um, I was still fascinated by jersey cards, but the prospect of owning a multicolor patch of my favorite player, that's something that really excited me. So he didn't have them out yet. We didn't have RPAs then. You know, our big things were maybe the SPX autos. Um, and he didn't even have, they weren't doing the jersey autos in 1999 when he was a rookie. So they just had the SPX auto. I think there was 2,500 of them. At that time, every day, you know, I'd come home from school, I'd get my Pepsi or whatever, I'd jump on eBay, I'd jump on the computer, and I'd type in our test to see what had been listed on eBay in the last 24 hours. And this became routine for me. This was before the days of saved searches, at least as far as I know, in the eBay app. And I'm pretty sure I had to pay with a money order on some occasions. So some of you guys, you know, I don't want to sound like that old guy, you know, get off my lawn. But some of you guys will never know the links that people had to go to to get cards. And I'm sure there were guys before me that had, you know, even even before eBay, at least I had that. But you know, I can honestly say, like, I went to great lengths to get cards. A lot harder than some of them are to get now. Another card that I couldn't afford that I saw back then was an SP Authentic dual patch with Jermaine O'Neal, numbered to 10. This was right after Ron had changed his number to 91. I was really excited. I loved the design of the card. They popped up then. I couldn't afford them. And I went years without seeing one again. Well, I finally picked one up last month for $33 and I am very excited about that purchase. It was also around this time that I discovered printing plates, which I was really into. I know they're not a big deal now and we see that, you know, it's one per box in National Treasures, but I added two to three plates of Ron Artest and I added a one of one base parallel from 2004-2005 UD Ultimate. Um, I felt like it legitimized my collection. I was just so excited to have those things. You know, I knew I wouldn't be in super collector status, but I felt like now I, I am the Ron Artest collector, and it kind of gave me an identity in the collecting world. I'll talk more about this later, but I, I foolishly ended up selling those plates and that one-to-one, and I'd love to have them back today. I can't find them. Uh, needless to say, I was gearing up for another year of basketball and another year of the hobby and the Pacers, and Ron, he, he got hot right out of the gate in 2004 it was super exciting and then there was the brawl i don't want to put this on the same level as any kind of horrific national tragedy where people have died and all sorts of horrible things have happened but for me this is one of those events where you remember exactly where you were why you were there what you were feeling etc a friend and i had gone to a concert that evening and i was kind of bummed out that i was missing a pacers pistons game on national tv so I convinced this friend of mine to leave early so I could go home and watch the second half. I, you know, I said, hey, you know, come over and watch this with me. And looking back, I think we're both glad that we did. For those of you that aren't familiar with this event, basically the, you know, it was already a very intense rivalry and um, the Pacers were beating the Pistons by about 15 points. There wasn't that much time left in the game. Ron Artest fouled Ben Wallace pretty hard. There was a small skirmish on the floor. Things cooled off, though. They got him separated. Ron Artest laid on the scorer's table, and a fan threw a cup of beer that landed on Ron, and, and then the whole thing just erupted. You had players in the stands. You had fans on the court, players and fans taking swings at one another, trash being thrown everywhere, chairs being thrown, people getting trampled. 
it was definitely the darkest day the modern NBA has ever seen. Um, now, this is a collecting podcast, so I want to focus on some of the major ramifications that this had for my Ron Artest collection. Remember I told you, I kind of felt like this thing had given me an identity in the collecting world. I was the Ron Artest collector. Well, there's no Beckett article out there that's called, you know, what do you do when your PC player charges into the stands and starts punching fans? You know, there was no guide for that. And my collection really wasn't all that valuable to begin with. But my guy was suspended for the rest of the season and he was pulled from every release that followed that year. So that means 2004, 2005 Topps Chrome, which is my favorite Topps Chrome of all time. He's not in it. All those patch cards that I mentioned were finally coming out or were going to come out. All those new sets he was in as a result of being named Defensive Player of the Year, gone. Um, It was a real punch in the gut. Another card that I have a feeling Ron was projected for was 2004-2005 Fleer Fresh Ink 5-on-5 Patches. I mentioned that I'd just become just enthralled by patches, right? And this card had Pacers and Pistons on it had 10 different patches, five guys from each team. I'd never seen anything like it. In fact, I've never seen anything since then that's really like that. There were only 10 copies made and it was a dream card for me, but not on the card. Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, and Steven Jackson, who were all suspended as a result of this brawl. Um, There were three or four pacers on there that weren't as good. It leads me to believe that they were kind of replacement guys. Interestingly enough, I I said this was a a dream card for me. I finally tracked it down in the last year. I've wanted it for so long. With the the history of that rivalry and the fact that it came out that season and my kind of my collecting story and what that team meant, it's a really special card for me. Uh, That's another one I'll have to show off on my Instagram. Anyway, I decided to start a small David Harrison collection. Reggie announced that he'd retire at the end of the season. The Pacers limped into the playoffs. And then they were eliminated by who else but the Pistons. 2005-2006 was another fun season of cards for me, and in some ways at least. It marked the second year of Topps Total, which was an affordable set that I had grown to love, which now had gold parallels numbered to 10. That's another thing I still collect. Um, It marked the debut of Topps Big Game Jumbo Patches, the selective swatch cards that I never owned at the time, but I window shopped every day after I got home from school. I dreamed of owning them. Um, I even got to open my first hobby box of Topps Chrome, which was a gift. Um, I pulled a Chris Paul Gold Rookie Refractor, which I didn't understand the significance of that at the time, especially not compared to now. Come December of the next season, Ron Artest asked to be traded. This was the final straw for me at the time. It was the end of my Ron Artest collection. I kept most of the refractors in parallels, but I sold the plates. I sold the one-on-one. I was just disgusted. I was really bummed out about the team. It's it's when, it's funny, after, right after that, he started showing up in exquisite sets, but he was in a Kings uniform, even though they were Pacers patches. And that's why I kind of neglected to ever pick any of that stuff up. Um, I'd like to go back and eventually get some of that stuff now that I've, I've kind of cooled off a little bit about Ron and I collect him again. Um, at the end of the 2006 season, I started going to a lot of spring training games and minor league baseball games, and as a result, I started buying more baseball cards to get signed at those games. I took a small break from basketball, and while I watched from a distance, because you know, remember I was collecting baseball, I missed out on all the KD rookies and Westbrook and so on. Um, I went off to college, and collecting took a backseat again. Now, mind you, I 
I still watch the Pacers religiously throughout this whole time, which was the awful Jim O'Brien era, but I wasn't collecting basketball actively. 2010 rolled around and I was preparing to move to North Carolina for a little bit and I started selling some things off. So I was just going through everything I had in the house. Um, So we're talking about books, DVDs, video games. Um, I dug out my old cards. I sold a few off. You know, I never had anything that was worth much, but my interest was peaked again. And I kind of wanted to get in on this Blake Griffin craze. So I was at the store and I saw a discounted blaster of 2009, 2010 upper deck for 10 bucks. And I said, you know what? There was a guaranteed Jersey card in it. I'll open one up. You know, what's, what's the worst that could happen? Well, it turns out I pulled a Michael Jordan and Julius Irving dual game-used card, and I would say every since then I've been hooked back in. Um, eventually, I moved in par for the course. Sports and cards became an ideal way to kind of navigate life's twists and turns. When I called or texted home, Dad and I bemoaned the current state of the Pacers. Um, I spent my off days from work at a card shop in a little town called Matthews. His AAA collectibles. Bob and Linda, I doubt you're listening to this, but thank you for always being so kind to me. Uh, I started sending vintage cards through the mail to get signed, and I even checked an item off my bucket list when I became a Bobcat season ticket holder for one year, which I talked about some in episode two. At the same time, these trips to the card shop coincided with the 2012-2013 basketball releases, which were pretty exciting. Remember, you had the double rookie class, you had Prism, Select, Brilliance. I never picked up any of the high-end stuff, though, like Immaculate. I moved back to Florida at the end of 2013, and as each year passed, I became more and more interested in the hobby. Um, A little over a year ago, I set up at a local card show for the first time, and I loved it. Um, I've been trying to do it since then every month. I've paid a little more attention now to the buying and selling aspect because, number one, I enjoy it, and two, it's allowed me to build up my collection in the process. Somebody recently asked me where am I going right now with the hobby. Um, I try to focus on a couple of things. Number one, Pacers tops total gold and plates. Um, I'm trying to get one awesome tag or patch for every player that's had one produced in a Pacers uniform. I collect NBA Finals game used and I collect flawless patches. Going back to the main focus of this episode and you'll see it in the title which is why I collect I think my collecting history and really the story of it does a pretty good job of embodying why I actually collect, but I haven't really explicitly laid it out for you. So before I close today, I want to try and do that. So there are several things that collecting has done for me. Number one, I think it's given me structure, whether it's cards or sports as a whole. They pretty much have been a constant in my life and, you know, life changes and things happen, but you still have this outline of sports and scheduling to provide the framework. You know, I love planning my weeks around games. Um, I love buying cards in anticipation for a card show. I love pricing cards and that type of thing. I like predicting the market and watching patterns. Um, So time-wise, I'm very invested in it. Um, Next, there's a, a social aspect, which this podcast is an extension of that, but cards are really a representation of the sports. I've used sports to try and help me navigate kind of through everything in life. I mentioned earlier that my dad and I talk about the Pacers and he doesn't collect, but we've watched the Pacers together my entire life and we still do. Um, Whenever I get a nice Pacers card, I I think of those times. And my dad was alive during the ABA years, but he doesn't have too many memories aside from just watching the team. But I want so bad for 
him to see them win an NBA title. Similarly, you connect with those outside your family, whether it's at a card show, whether it's online or at work. Um, There were people along the way that helped me, and this wasn't a solo venture. And there's something about sports that's pretty incredible because we all live somewhere and we're all born into kind of an area or a region. And, and, you know, I believe that you, you should kind of adopt that team where you came from. You know, I never chose really to become a Pacers fan, even though I became really interested in them. I feel like it was something I was born into. So to continue that social aspect, you know, we all have that and we all have a team, hopefully, that we can relate to. And I remember when Paul George broke his leg, the texts that I got from friends were incredible. Um, You would have thought that someone had died. Uh, The people close to me, they knew just how much stuff like that means to me. And something similar happened this last season when Victor Oladipo had a season-ending leg injury. I saw the trainers cover his leg with a towel and I kind of got a sick feeling in my stomach. I knew what had just happened. Um, it, it feels silly to try and explain it to people. You know, I felt kind of embarrassed telling people like it, it gave me a sick feeling. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't owe anyone else an explanation. And that's kind of what I appreciate about collectors. There were other Pacers collectors that maybe they were hundreds of miles away, but they felt the same thing when they saw it and they got it. Another reason why I collect cards and why I'm really interested in cards is because of history. Um, And I consider myself to be a history buff. I love learning about the past. And I once heard someone say that all of us collectors are like little cardboard curators. And I remember in high school, I read a book about the old ABA by Terry Pluto called Loose Balls. And it got me really interested in Dr. J and the players of the 70s. And later in life, I corresponded with some of them on the phone and through the mail and in person. I talked about that in one of my episodes. And because I collect cards, now I can share their stories. I can pull out a stack of base cards and tell people about the game, tell them about certain players, certain moments. And I really like game-dated stuff. I have a patch card from Steph Curry's first NBA Finals. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that should be in a museum. You know, I feel weird even owning it in a sense But I own it, and I'm excited about that. And I can take out a box of cards, and it's like my own little personal museum where I've compiled all the pieces myself, and I've ordered it the way that I want to, and I have unlimited access to it. Finally, if you couldn't tell, there's nostalgia. Uh, My advice to you is if you don't have that yet, you know, be patient. It takes time. Everything that I told you about today, you know, I've been collecting since 1995. Don't let people talk down on you because you've only collected a certain amount of time, though. But in the same respect, listen to the people that have been there before you. You'll have your nostalgia in due time. Going forward, I don't think my collecting story will ever be finished. You know, it's one that we'll probably never close the book on, but that's as best as I could sum it up for you in a short amount of time. Um, I'm sure I could talk about it for hours and hours, and, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with you guys, and I hope you enjoyed it too. But now it's your turn. My challenge for you this week, you know, whether you started collecting when I did or earlier than I did or whether you started 10 years ago or one year ago or yesterday, I want to know your collecting story. I want you to find the three cards that you feel best represent your collecting history. And I want you to tag me on Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast. And I want you to post those photos up with the hashtag why I collect, which is the word W-H-Y-I-C-O-L-L-E-C-T. Why I collect. And that's what I've titled this episode as well, so you, you have that in front of you. 
In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.